I'm maniacally focused on what's going to move the ball forward in the most productive ways. I'm trying to get 10x return on every dollar that's put into the company. I'm always thinking about there's 20 things we could do. What are the three things that are really going to advance the, the case for this company? Welcome to MedSider, where you can learn from the brightest founders and CEOs in medical devices and health technology. Join tens of thousands of ambitious doers as we unpack the insights, tactics, and secrets behind the most successful life science startups in the world. Now, here's your host, Scott Nelson. Hey everyone, it's Scott. In this episode of MedSider, I sat down with Ken Marriott, CEO of Synaptica. With over two decades of experience in leading sophisticated organizations, Ken brings a wealth of knowledge and expertise to the table. His journey has taken him from management consulting at Charles River Associates to significant roles at CSL, Baxter, and Boston Scientific. During his time at Boston, Ken was instrumental in commercialization and strategy development at the company's $1 billion neuromodulation division. Today, he's serving as the CEO of Synaptica, a startup making significant strides in Alzheimer's treatment. Here are a few of the key things that we discussed in this conversation. First, incremental manageable steps towards your goals is a safer and saner approach. Consider which variables will add more value to your company's current position and be maniacally focused on achieving those efficiently. Second, an early stage company will inevitably have some gaps, and it's not easy to make a compelling M&A case when you have a lot of white space. If you're aiming for an exit, be targeted. Appoint a champion who will actively align your company's unique value propositions against your target buyer's needs. Third, for successful commercialization, you need reimbursement, a flawless value proposition, a pitch that clearly shows the superiority of your data, and thorough market research. And last, when raising funds, be simple enough so that your investors understand and can articulate your plan well after you leave the room. Okay, so before we jump into this episode, if you're listening to this show, I'm gonna make the assumption that you're a dedicated pro looking to learn from the best in the business. If that's the case, which I think it probably is, I've got some exciting news related to our premium memberships. First, let's talk a little bit about MedSider Playbooks, your ticket to going from zero to 100 with your company or your career. You see, our team has handpicked collections of the most insightful interviews with the brightest founders and CEOs. People like Nadim Yard, CEO of CVRX, and Mike Carusi, a serial medtech entrepreneur and general partner at Lightstone Ventures. These proven leaders shared their strategies and tactics for running a successful startup. Whether you're looking to master capital fundraising, navigate early stage development, tackle regulatory challenges, understand reimbursement, or maybe even position your venture for a meaningful exit, MedSider Playbooks have got you covered. And the best part, all of them are available to our premium members. Get instant access to these valuable resources at medsiderradio.com forward slash premium. Again, that's medsiderradio.com forward slash premium. Okay, here's the second thing. I completely understand that fundraising can be one of the most daunting tasks for any startup, especially in today's environment. That's why we've created a meticulously curated database of investors right at your fingertips. Explore a wealth of VC funds, private equity firms, angel groups, and more, all eager to invest in medical device and health technology startups. Access to this database is a premium member exclusive, so don't miss out. But that's definitely not all. When you become a MedSider Premium member, you'll get access to every volume of MedSider Mentors, where the brightest founders and CEOs share their invaluable learnings. Plus, you'll unlock the entire archive of every MedSider interview dating back to 2010. So if you're serious about advancing your career or your startup and want to tap into this treasure trove of knowledge, it's time to consider becoming a MedSider Premium member. Visit medsiderradio.com forward slash premium to learn more. All right, without further ado, let's jump back into the interview. All right, Ken, welcome to uh, MedSider Radio. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really looking forward to the discussion, learning a little bit more about your uh, 
your professional journey in med tech as well as kind of what you're what you're building at Synaptica. But uh, with that said, I recorded uh, a brief bio at the outset of this episode. Uh, I always like to start here, though, if you can kind of give us a sort of an elevator pitch for, you know, your background leading up to um, current role as a uh, CEO of, of the company. That'd be great. Yeah, well, Scott, I'm not going to bore you too much with uh, with my background and drone on and on about my, you know, my resume. But uh, I did start in consulting and uh, I was taught to, you know, do a lot of valuation in those consulting days, worked on some pricing exercises, and it really gave me an aspect of looking at things from a valuation perspective, which I found really helpful in my later career. I moved into industry. I went to CSL and then Baxter, got a, a little bit of background in marketing for the first time. And then I moved on to Baxter. I did a lot of uh, portfolio management, strategy, uh, M&A. And then I moved on to Boston Scientific, where I founded the strategy group and the neuromodulation division out here in California, and uh, found myself again doing a lot of strategy work, portfolio management, and then looked at about 100 different deals on the M&A side, on what I call the, the buy side. And then finally, one of those deals that we did, I ended up uh, running that franchise as the global commercial head for the Cosman franchise uh, for a number of years. And that brought me to my first uh, startup experience, which was a company called uh, EBT Medical, uh, which makes a non-invasive neuromodulation device for overactive bladder. And then I found my way to Synaptica. When I saw the breakthrough announcement, I looked at the data. I was frankly astounded at the level of efficacy. And having a background in neuromodulation, a little bit of a background in Alzheimer's, and also a background in capital sales, I knew I had to be a part of this thing. So I came aboard uh, officially in March of this year. So tons of experience in the, in the neuromod uh, space, um, obviously. So that, that'll be that'll be fun to kind of dig into the technology a little bit more. Um, we're recording this in late, uh, not late, mid Q4 of 2023. I think you, you're, you've you been at it with Synaptica for almost a year now. Is that right? Yeah, since March. Okay, since March. Got it. Um, so give us a sense kind of for... And if you can frame this up as if I'm like a, you know, a freshman in high school, give us a sense for kind of what the technology does. Um, and then also, um, you know, if there's any any sort of like background origin story that that's unique, I guess, uh, uh, please, please share that as well. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's really interesting how the company got started. It's uh, two Italian scientific co-founders who've been working in non-invasive brain modulation, Alzheimer's and other neurodegenerative disorders for over a decade. And so our company president, Rich McCary, put them together when he saw the amazing science they were doing. They were already collaborating, but he put them together in a company, formed their company, and that became the essence of Synaptica, which, as I was saying earlier, you take the Italian syn and Aptica, it means without touch, so non-invasive. So interesting name of the company there. But so Synaptica has created a non-drug way of treating Alzheimer's, totally new, unprecedented way of approaching the disease of Alzheimer's using precision network neuromodulation of the default mode network, which is a, a large brain network in um, that's associated with episodic memory and introspection. Published phase two trial results show we have almost three times the disease slowing power of the newest amyloid drugs with virtually no side effects. And we're about to launch a pivotal phase three trial using this non-invasive treatment for Alzheimer's. There's three things that really make our treatment really stand out as, as unique. The first is, whereas a lot of neuromodulation is focused on modulating one nerve or one little area of the brain, you, know, you think about Parkinson's, you think about the subthalamic nucleus, you're stimulating a tiny little region we actually think of our therapy as stimulating an entire network 
So the default mode network is this large distributed brain network that's associated with episodic memory and introspection. It's where you integrate your memories. So we're, we're stimulating the entire network. It would be like, instead of just a wire in the house, we're lighting up the entire house when we stimulate it. And so that's the first piece. The second piece is we're personalizing. We're using sophisticated algorithms that take into account the patient's MRI and TMS EEG data, which I can go into later, that personalizes therapy. So where we stimulate and how we stimulate has to be calibrated in a closed loop manner to make sure we're hitting the right spot on the brain and lighting up the network in the right way optimally to get the right resonance of the network. And then lastly, what makes our therapy different is we're using neuro navigation for precision. So being able to reproducibly come back to the exact same spot on the brain over and over again, week after week, month after month, ours is a chronic therapy. So precision and reproducibility, especially controlling for operator uh, differences is absolutely critical. So neuronavigation allows us to do that. And so when we combine those three elements, that's what gives us these stunning results. Unprecedented positive phase two data in mild to moderate Alzheimer's patients. Yeah, super interesting um, technology for sure. And uh, I'm looking at the website right now, which is synapticatx.com. Um, S-I-N-A-P-T-I-C-A-T-X.com. We'll link to it in the full write-up on MedSider up at synapticatx.com if you want to learn a, learn a little bit more about the technology uh, as well as the, uh, the 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 kind of the, the existing clinical data as well as the upcoming trials. Definitely encourage you to check out the check out the site. But um, can one follow-up question with respect to the product um, itself or the system itself? So from a patient experience standpoint, I, I, it, this is it's, it's an implantable neuromodulation device. I presume like there's, you know, leads that are implanted or, or like give, give me a sense kind of for what, what, what this looks like from a, a, a patient standpoint. Yeah, sorry. So just to back up a little bit, uh, we're using a new form of TMS. Okay. So transmagnetic, uh, uh, transcranial magnetic therapy. So we are using non-invasive magnetic fields to induce electrical currents in the brain. So we use a, a high-powered coil to the back of the head to induce current in the brain. We do that non-invasively uh, at a depth of a few centimeters. It's actually really interesting technology, but what we're doing is we're adding personalization and precision to this uh, technology that's been around for a long time. The technology is safe and established in depression. So researchers and companies have been using TMS for depression and other neuropsychiatric indications for a long time. There's established coding coverage and payment and patient experience is uh, you know, very seamless. It's totally painless. Uh, there's no side effects really. Uh, other than maybe a, a, a headache that uh, resolves. But we're taking that same basic technology. And again, we're adding personalization and precision. Those are the things that really make it different. We're using TMS with EEG. So if you think about um, stimulating the brain, when you add one pulse to the brain, it's like dropping a pebble into the pond. The signals reverberate around the brain, bouncing off the walls in a very complex pattern. We use 64 channel EEG to listen to those signals bouncing around the, the brain. And that establishes when we've hit, that lets us know when we have hit the right network and that it's resonating in the right way that confirms that we're getting the right target engagement. So it's, it's a novel use of an existing technology, combining it with TMS EEG, 
and also adding neural navigation to, to the picture, again, for personalization and precision. And so the patient experience involves first getting an MRI, because we need to know where your brain is in 3D space when we're about to stimulate, right? We load the MRI into the neural navigation system so we can navigate and see where we're going. Uh, the system automatically outlines the precuneus area of the brain, which is a rather large um, piece of the brain in the posterior aspects of the skull, which is associated, again, with this default mode network. It, it forms a central hub. It's like the central hub radiating out to multiple nodes on the network. The precuneus is that key hub in the middle. And so that's the target we're stimulating. So the neuronavigation system will show you on the screen where the precuneus is roughly, but where on the precuneus do we stimulate? It's a rather large structure. So pinpointing the exact piece of the precuneus that gets the right resonance of the network, that is absolutely critical. That's why we use TMS with EEG to confirm we're getting the right resonance of the network when we stimulate there. Got it. Got it. Okay. That, that's super helpful. And you mentioned this earlier, synaptica, right? Without touch, right? So again, uh, that plays into kind of this, yeah, the, yeah, the non-invasive kind of nature of this technology, uh, obviously make, makes a lot more sense after you, after you just, you described it in more detail. So, so let's presume, you know, we, we fast forward, you know, years into the future, this is, you know, uh, uh, this is approved by, you know, regulatory bodies. It's, it's, it's reasonably uh, available, is this something where I, as, as a patient, I go in like one, once a week, multiple times per week over a course of time? Is that is that kind of the the, the end goal here? Yeah. So similarly to uh, to other modalities that have used TMS in the past, it is an in-clinic therapy and it involves uh, an induction phase. So the idea is we want to kickstart the brain and we want to get that uh, that done in the first two weeks of therapy. So the patient comes back. Once we do the calibration session where we determine exactly where to stimulate and how to stimulate to get the right resonance of the network, then for 25 minute sessions, once a day for two weeks, the patient comes in every day for 25 minutes each day to get 10 sessions of, of therapy. So Monday through Friday, every day they come in 25 minutes a day for two weeks. Then we back off to weekly. And that was a key insight of our phase two study was we asked the question, we knew we were getting great results with daily stimulation, but that, you know, that involved a pretty rigorous regimen. So the idea was, or the question was, can we back off to weekly stimulation and still get the maintenance of these great effects? In fact, we did. I mean, we achieved unprecedented data that shows that we can slow the disease of Alzheimer's by over 80% on all four primary and secondary cognitive and functional endpoints. And so the patient would just come back for weekly therapy for 25 minutes. It's totally painless. Uh, they're able to recline in a comfortable chair. They can keep their eyes open. They can talk to the technician. They can have a caregiver in the room. They sit back for painless 25 minute uh, sessions. All they hear is like a tapping sound in the back of the head. That's all that they hear. They don't feel anything because we don't have mechano receptors in the brain, as, as you know, so they feel nothing. Um, other than maybe hearing the tap, there's nothing else that tells them they're getting the therapy. And the only side effect that we've seen uh, that occurs in maybe 16% of patients is a mild headache that can resolve uh, without any other intervention within a few hours. That's the patient's experience. And that, again, as I said, has resulted in over 80% disease slowing which is about three times better than the latest uh, anti-amyloid drugs. Yeah, really, really promising. And so again, we're recording this in kind of mid mid Q4 of 23. 
And is, is there kind of a, a, a timeline in mind for when you expect to, to commence your phase three pivotal work? Yeah. So having published the phase two data and achieved breakthrough status last year, we've really set about uh, raising the funds to get uh, the company um, you know, put together and get off the ground. We have spent a lot of time designing our phase three study. We've got an amazing uh, strategic and scientific advisory board that's helped us in the design of the study. Uh, we want to make sure that we can reproduce these fabulous results in a multi-center uh, U.S. and international study. And so we spend a lot of time making sure we get the design of the study right. Secondly, uh, we are working with a hardware partner to use a version of their system that's customized to do our therapy. And so working with that hardware partner to design and to build that uh, that therapy has been also a secondary, uh, a big focus for us secondarily. And so we're hoping to launch our pivotal study next year, maybe in Q4 of next year. Um, as you can imagine, as is the case with all of these breakthrough therapies, you know, you pretty much only get one shot to make this right. We've got to make sure that we get this right, given how many failures there have been in uh, in the disease of Alzheimer's. I don't need to tell you it's been a it's been a really tough area to develop in. We're getting some of the best names and advisors on board. We also have a VP of clinical who's just run a pivotal study in Alzheimer's using neuromodulation. So you couldn't ask for someone who's better placed to run a pivotal in Alzheimer's than Lisa Fosdick, who's, who's part of our team. We're so lucky to have her. Um, and it's not like we, like our scientific founders have not done this before. Um, Giacomo Koch is our scientific co-founder at the Santa Lucia Foundation in Rome. He's actually run many studies in Alzheimer's and other neurodegenerative um, uh, diseases. And uh, he's actually in the middle of another phase three using a drug. So he's no stranger to running phase threes. And our other scientific co-founder, Emiliano Santarnecki, who's at Harvard MGH, he's also run many studies in non-invasive brain modulation in various disease states. So, you know, we're, we've got a, a pretty accomplished team here. We've got great advisors. And uh, we're looking to get that off the ground next year. Got it. Yeah, very, very, uh, very impressive. Tackling a, a pretty, really significant problem with not a lot of uh, available available solutions. So with that said, let's use the next, you know, 20, 30 minutes or so to kind of go back in time. And really, I, I'd love to kind of, uh, um, you know, pick pick your uh, pick your brain a little bit, right? Uh, since we're on the topic of, of, of cognitive function um, and learn a little bit more about kind of uh, your experiences over the years and in your, in your various roles. Um, so let's start first with... Um, uh, with like kind of the, the early phases of a startup, right? Um, maybe even a little bit earlier than where you're at with Synaptica. It's oftentimes quite challenging for most entrepreneurs, uh, founders, CEOs, where you're trying to you're trying to get to that that next milestone, right? That next phase of development with pretty limited capital uh, for for the most part. Um, you know, most most startups, I think you you agree, been around. A lot of them aren't, aren't flush with capital in those early days. So, kind of with that in mind, where do you think most founders go wrong, or most CEOs go wrong in those early stages? Or you know, if you want to flip that that question around, you know, where where, where any what are like one to two pieces of advice that you often you know find yourself recommending or advising you know other startups uh, and how they can kind of move quickly. Uh, yet still be efficient with capital in those those early days? Yeah, so I, I appreciate the question. And unless you are Elon Musk and you're raising $280 million for Neuralink, um, <laughs> let's just assume that as the usual kind of startup uh, executive and team, you're kind of limited capital. And so I, I'm focused maniacally on creating incremental value 
in a sequential fashion. A lot of uh, a lot of entrepreneurs that I've seen, and remember, I've been on the buy side and the build side, are kind of focused on doing it all at once. And either they make the mistake of thinking that uh, they can do too much with limited uh, people resources uh, and financial resources, or they try to raise a huge round and try to do everything, you know, with a, a monster Series A, and uh, that's usually not what happens. And so I'm I'm maniacally focused on what's going to move the ball forward in the most productive ways. I'm trying to get 10x return on every dollar that's put into the company, right? And so I'm always thinking about there's 20 things we could do. What are the three things that are really going to advance the the case for this company? It might be a proof of concept uh, study in animals. It might be a piece of IP that we need. It might be a hardware partner. I'm trying to think it might be a team member that's kind of a key piece that we're missing. So what are those little incremental things we can do to, to add value to the company? Because it is a sequential, slow, deliberate process for, for most startups. And so again, just, you know, instead of thinking that, you know, money is going to solve all our problems, if you just give me $50 million, I can deliver all of this. It's better to think through, I think, what are some milestones that are get us there with a $10 million chunk, a $20 million chunk, another $20 million chunk? What are those steps incrementally? So that's kind of how I would help some startups think through, you know, planning their, their incremental sequential approach to value creation. Yeah, I love that. I love that framework. And even even that example that you shared of like, you know, you've got your top 10, maybe top top 15 kind of potential milestones that you could hit, right? But some of those are right. going to be further out. Some of those are going to require a lot more capital. But thinking through kind of what are your top top three and how can I get there, you know, with the uh, the resources that I that I currently have um, versus, you know, what what resources I'll, I'll need in the future to, you know, to tackle those next top three, as an example. And here's um, a perfect example. We can spend a lot of time thinking through commercialization and, and we do spend some time thinking through commercialization right now. But rather than spend a ton of money validating, you know, I, I could spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on market research and branding and hiring a VP of sales. It's just not the right time for, for us to be doing that. We need to be thinking through at a basic level our go to market and we do have a plan there. But really focusing on the key things in front of us that are going to advance the company, that's got to be the maniacal focus, you know, Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Maybe we can start thinking about those other things. But, you know, for the, for the 60 hours that we're focused on, you know, those key value creation uh, activities, maybe we spend another 10 or 20 hours beyond that thinking through the, the next steps beyond. Right. Yeah. And I, um, if you're, if you're kind of tracking with this conversation so far, um, I re- we recently, um, released an episode with Bill Cologne, who's another serial entrepreneur uh, on the West coast here. And, um, you know, with a lot of the, they have kind of a unique, um, kind of framework around a lot of the projects that he focuses on, but like, he always starts out with, you know, my seed round needs to get to this certain milestone. Right. And that, that's sort of, sort of what he's working on doesn't fit within the parameters. He's likely not even going to work on the project. Um, and so, so it's just, that's just a really, really helpful framework. And it, it, um, it reminds me even, even like personally, right. We're, uh, we're in the, in the, in the process of preparing for a series B fundraise with, with, uh, with fast wave. And that's probably then, you know, the top two or three questions that often come up from investors is like, okay, you're raising X amount of money for this, you know, this, this particular, uh, capital raise, like, what are you going to do with it? And show me how you're going to get there. Right. And if it's, if your answers to that question are out of whack, or they don't, they're not easy to follow, you need to kind of go back to the, to the drawing board. Right. Uh, which is in line with kind of your, you know, your, your quote unquote maniacal approach to kind of 
in a serial fashion generating value right incrementally along along a certain along a certain pathway so i really really love that that framework um let's let's jump to kind of the next the next topic which is um you know you're right in the throes of a lot of clinical and regulatory work you've got really novel technology at synaptica that that's i mean the, the rayclin kind of process in general can be kind of daunting i think for a lot of a lot of you know uh, founders and, and and ceos but especially so with you know very novel kind of um, innovative innovative uh, uh systems like you're working on so when you think about kind of how to ma- how to effectively map that out right um and um and build out kind of this this function right in order to get to the next you know clin reg milestone what, how do you typically approach that or what, what are the kind of the top top pieces of advice that uh, uh, that you, you typically recommend to other uh, other people kind of in the, in the same boat? Hey there, it's Scott and thanks for listening in so far. The rest of this conversation is only available via our private podcast for MedSider premium members. If you're not a premium member yet, you should definitely consider signing up. You'll get full access to the entire library of interviews dating back to 2010. This includes conversations with experts like Renee Ryan, CEO of Cala Health, Nadim Yared, CEO of CVRX, and so many others. As a premium member, you'll get to join live interviews with these incredible medical device and health technology entrepreneurs. In addition, you'll get a copy of every volume of MedSider Mentors at no additional cost. To learn more, head over to MedSiderRadio.com forward slash premium. Again, that's MedSiderRadio.com forward slash premium. 